Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael and Chauncey Show. Good evening, America. This is the Michael and Chauncey Show. I'm your host, Chauncey Brown, and my co-host, Michael Bloomling Jr., running for Congress in Florida, is on a flight en route. Hopefully, he will be in the studio today. I hope everyone had a happy, joyous, and safe New Year. The vision of the Michael and Chauncey Show is to be a pathway of conservative information in order to educate the American people while protecting and preserving the freedom, liberty, and justice of the Constitution of the United States of America. I'm extremely blessed and honored to be able to communicate with you today, believing in the United States Constitution and believing in our government and our country being one of the best, is the best in the world. Uh, We need to all join together. We have a civic duty to participate in what's going on and how it affects everyone's lives. It is very important that instead of complaining, we get out and participate and not only just vote. Every vote and every voice matters. The only one that's not heard is the one that doesn't vote and the one that doesn't speak up. So our show is about reaching out to America and the people in America as we have on our show various candidates running for Congress and U.S. Senate across the country. We want to bring you the best candidates possible, the most informed, and the ones who have the most passion to serve our nation. The guests that we have on our show has no political agenda except to serve the American people. We have guests on here who have served in the military, who have served in the private sector, but the people that we have on this show are God-fearing people. They respect God, country, First Amendment, Second Amendment, and the like. We are a, a conservative radio. <clears throat> we are right-leaning. But the guests that we have on here speak from a higher moral ground. They do not speak from a political perspective. They speak from a moral perspective. And for that, I am blessed to be one of the hosts of this show, to have various people across the country that whether they served in public life or in military life, they want to raise their hand again to serve our country. I want to say thank you for those who have served, and I want to thank those that are serving now. I also want to say that I mourn in the loss of all of the families that have lost veterans in this country. My father was a Navy veteran in World War II. I was in a military-style based on his military experience. So I understand 
God and country means. <clears throat> My father was an American patriot, civil rights activist, humanitarian, communal leader, <clears throat> and president of the NAACP in the 1960s in Patterson, New Jersey. One of our biggest challenges today is our children do not have anyone to look up to. When I was growing up, people that served in public life, I considered them to be statesmen. These were already professional people or people who cared about their community more so than self-preservation. We need more statesmen in Washington. We don't need politicians. Politicians are ruling this country. All politicians want to do is put their hands in your pockets and take as much money as they can from you while delivering to you the least as possible. It's not the government's responsibility to support people, but I believe it's the government's responsibility to help people. But we're not in the business, and we shouldn't be, as the left of the Democratic Party. They want to give a lot of free giveaways. They want to give a lot of free giveaways, and... um, They want to take the money from the middle class, and these individuals that want to do this are are millionaires themselves. Uh, We have in the studio uh, my co-host, Michael Blooming. I'm glad that he's in the studio. I'm glad that he had a safe trip uh, back from Chicago. Um, I've been sharing with the American people briefly about who we are, what we are, and the type of people that we have on our show. We don't have politicians on our show. We have people that seek the more high ground and want to serve the public. I also talked briefly about our vision of our pathway of conservative information in order to educate the American people while protecting and preserving the freedoms and liberty and justice of the Constitution of the United States. As I said earlier, Michael and I are very humbled and blessed to be before the American people in the name of our Father, God, the Most High, to serve the people and give them the truth. With I want to welcome uh, to the show and in the studio my co-host, Michael Blooming, Jr. Chauncey, thank you so much, sir. Thank you to America for having us tonight. Um, we, it's, very, uh, it's a very interesting and political year in 2020, so it's great to have the opportunity to get some real information, real facts. We've got fi- to fight the fake news. It's continuing every single day. And we know that the left has a game plan. We got George Soros out here who's spending money by the buckets, and he wants to try to combat every Republican from getting office. They want to keep the House. They want to continue to have Nancy Pelosi's puppets in place so they can do their biting. And we talk about some of these dangerous people, Chuck Schumer, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, these, all these characters who are nefarious for being um, combatants, even though they're in U.S. Congress. They are combatants because they are trying to harm the American people by spreading propaganda and lies against our president, Donald J. Trump, which honestly, in my opinion, is act of treason. Anytime that you try to undermine the workings of the president of the United States of America, that's a huge problem, and we cannot afford to have that. So I know our two great guests who are coming in the show tonight, James Bradley, running in California, great friend of mine. Um, He ran for U.S. Senate. Now he's running for U.S. Congress. In District 33, I believe. So that's a great dress we're going to have. And we also have Brett, excuse me, Brett Cohen, 
uh, in New Mexico who's running for office. Who uh, He is actually part of the walkaway movement, so it's going to be exciting to have him on the show as well because he realized the work of the left and he's decided to run on a Republican ticket. And you know what? Matter of factly, we need more people that to understand that, and we need moderates and uh, independents who want to do that. You know, I'm running in U.S. Congress in Florida District 21, and we need a lot of people to support the walkaway movement because it's important, whether it's the Blexit movement with the African-American community coming across, the Lexit movement with the Latino community. There's a lot of people who are starting to wake up. We need to have more patriotism in this country because God created a great land, and our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, people protected this land, and we need to more have less sex trafficking. We they need to have more right to work in this country. We need to create the land of opportunity, providing the resources for people to live the American dream. Michael, I could not agree more that at this time in our country's history, we need to stand up. We are not going through a civil war. We are going through a moral political war, and the United States and the American people that are patriots like ourselves must stand up to save our nation from the nefarious characters of the left to the American people, who's undermining the fabric of what this country was founded on and standing for. I think it is absurd to watch them challenge the office of the presidency when they watched Barack Obama with a hundred drone attacks without any type of congressional approval didn't say boo. The hypocrisy of the Democratic Party on the left is rearing its ugly head and I'm glad that Donald Trump is our president because we are starting to see the heads of these satanic devil worshipers because they are not good for humanity. When you put a person who's killed over 600 American soldiers and you complain about the death of a terrorist and you call him and compare him to General MacArthur, I dare you, Elizabeth Warren, that person is murderous. If you kill one life of an American, okay, and Donald Trump warns all of you, and he's been patient, we will retaliate with a greater force. And to watch the left not support our president and to back terrorism, to back illegal immigrants over American veterans, over the poor, over the homeless, it's unconscionable to me, and I'm thankful and blessed by God to have this platform where we're able to have this conversation to correct the moral deficiencies of our country today. I'm blessed to be on the show with you, Mike Les. We always talk about this is a calling and a purpose from God that we have to save our country. And the people that come on our show are not politicians. They serve the most high first. They come with a moral high ground and they raise their hand to serve the public good. They are not looking for a political advantage. Those are the type of guests that we have on this show. We're bringing truth, honesty, and faith to the American people. I agree 100%. You know, at the end of the day, right now, what's happening in U.S. Congress, they're trying to undermine the executive power of our president, and they're also trying to put restrictions on protecting our American interests in uh in, in a foreign land. We have an obligation to the American people to protect America, and we do that by protecting our national security. 
and we have to be aware of our soldiers downrange. When you have rockets being fired in Iraq on our military bases, that's an area of concern. So Congress today trying to pass uh, legislation, try to restrict the president. It's a no-go. It's not going to happen. A no-go is in the military. That's like something that's we're, we're repeating information. We're like, that's a no-go. That means it isn't going to happen. The president is not going to allow this president that we elected into, duly elected president, who's trying to be undermined by U.S. Congress. We are not going to allow, and our president, Donald J. Trump, is not going to go for the undercutting that's happening. That's why this 2020 election this year is so critical to our nation's sovereignty because we are under attack, whether it's the First Amendment, Second Amendment, uh, religious freedoms. We are under attack. They want to come in, and they want to take Israel back from the Jewish people that was, that was given to them after the Holocaust, this horrible, hyenas crime against humanity that happened against innocent people who turned Jewish people into Christians because they had no choice, because they were fearful for their lives. When you have to make a choice for your religious freedom – and life or death, that's a problem. And if we continue to allow terrorists to undercut our Constitution, and you are a terrorist, if you support individuals who want to cause harm to America, our interests, our allies, you are a terrorist. That's the correct way to label it. We have domestic terrorists that need to be claimed that. Antifa, they are domestic terrorist organization. They need to be claimed that. And when they go out and they try to cause harm, they try to organize together, they need to be treated as such. The FBI, the CIA, they need to do their jobs that they're empowered to do and do the right thing. They do not need to have a political position. They need to have a petition of patriotism for the United States American people. Amen. And I'd like to add to what you just said, that this Congress does not want to support the actions of Donald Trump in the Middle East. But what's sad is is that all of those left-leaning and Democrats, liberals, there are wars going on in their communities, black-on-black crime, opioid addiction, homelessness, mental health issues, and they're not even addressing the war in their neighborhoods. Look at Nancy Pelosi's neighborhood in San Francisco. Look at Maxine Waters' neighborhood in Watts. We can go to Baltimore. We can go to Chicago. We can go to see, look at what Big Bird's doing in New York. It is a travesty what the socialism or social democrats are doing to this country and we must stop it at all costs. Well that's a great that's a great point, Dante. And and our next guest, he knows firsthand dealing with Gavin Newsom, uh, the governor of California, he needs to go. Him and uh um Northam in Virginia, both of these governors are a, an embarrassment to the American people. They both need to be they're using their, their their powers that they seem they may have as governor and they're using it to enslave and entrap people and try to take constitutional rights away from the American people. Thank God people are standing up. Petitions are being signed in California, and our guest, Andy Bradley, who I believe is in the studio, who you will be able to bring on, he can attest to that. He is a veteran, and he is someone who's – I just love this guy because if you serve this country and you want to serve in specifically in the political office for this country like James wants to, like I have – like our last um, episode, Jeremy Stad and Floyd McClendon Jr., when you have patriots who want to stand up, that's why I love this country, because it gives you the opportunity to be, live the American dream and to serve the American people. Michael, thank you very much. I'm going to – there's a, someone that's on the line here. I'm going to open it up uh, because I don't have Mr. Bradley's number. I'm going to see if this is him on the line. So hold on. 
uh, ladies and gentlemen, as I try to open the line up for uh, congressional candidate James Bradley. Uh, yeah, sir, is that, oh, Mr. Bradley, hello, how are you? This is Chauncey, and we have Michael in the studio. Well, wonderful to join you two. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure great. to have That's you. A, yeah, Thank absolutely. you for it's, – it's great to have you. I'm sorry, Michael. Thank you for your service to our country, and also I want to say thank you again for wanting to stand up and represent the public good in America by wanting to serve in Congress. I thank you, sir, very much for your duty to want to serve your country. It's a privilege and an honor, I have to tell you that. Thank so, you, James, uh, why don't we – you and I, we've been canvassing California. I was out there with you. We were um, – you know, worked a little bit together. We got a lot of congressional candidates together. We are one. We are a One American News Network. I'll be again on the station next week. Um, you ran for U.S. Senate in 2016. Um, 2018. Excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. 2018. Um, what's the climate? You're running against Ted Lieu right now. There's a lot of hot, hot contested seats out there with Adam Schiff and Maxine Waters. But Ted Lieu, he's also a very dangerous. Why don't you talk about your campaign and the state of affairs? Certainly. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and the orders of the President of the United States. What in that oath of office did the current Congress miss? Every single one of the Dems have averted, and now I put them in the category of terrorists against the United States. Now, with that said, Ted Lieu. Ted Lieu has been known for the last three years to be the troll of our POTUS, and he's turned his back on the district. That I take great offense for, offense with, and I'm here to be the voice of we the people in the District 33. So, with that said, Honestly, I have to say jokingly that uh, Ted Lieu has been my ba- biggest proponent. All he has to do is go on Twitter and tweet against POTUS, and I just laugh and I think, who in the right mind was, uh, has critical thinking skills can actually believe what he says and, more importantly, vote for him in the next election? So I allow him to continue to do what he does, bash the president and go extreme left. Now, mind you, he claims to be an Air Force veteran. And all the veterans that I've met with, and, and um, Mike, you included, have been strong supporter of the Constitution, strong supporter of POTUS. Regardless of their political beliefs, they do not, unless they, they act in an act of terrorism against the United States. Now, that's been the Democratic platform saying he's not a duly elected president because of the popular vote. And more importantly, the bad bashing that goes on through fake news and mainstream media against POTUS is a complete lie in the shell. So these current members of Congress need to be voted out, and I'm in this race to be the voice of the people and to do just that. And I love serving our country. I'm a third-generation veteran. My grandfather served World War I, my father World War II. And I take this with a great honor and privilege to stand up for the voters of us, of the district, the state, as well as the United States. 
I think that's you, fantastic. You know what? There's a couple major areas here that I want to focus on with you today in the interview, and that's foreign policy and, and also health care. And, and all the craziness of immigration and what we're dealing with Iran and Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, we're, we're going to get on those items. But health care, and this is an area of your expertise, has been pushed to the side. So after we talk about some of these hot topic issues, I want to talk about health care because health care is crippling this nation under Obamacare. It's an absolute disgrace to this country. Barack Obama was supposed to deliver something to the American people, like he said, bring about real change. And the change that he brought up, uh, 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 upon us was more slavery to the system, which is socialism. That's what he's brought and delivered to the American people, socialism, and we do not want that th- in this country. If you look at this squad, you know, a lot of people are talking about this right now, and I want to put this on the record. We do not need a Republican squad. What we need is American patriots who want to stand up for the Constitution. I am tired of hearing all Amen. these people trying to combat the left squad. Amen. There is no squad. Amen. I'm going to go on national TV. I'm going to beat this down. We do not need a squad for the Republican Party. What we need is patriots for this country who love America and who want to stand and defend the flag. Until you stand up and do that, we are going to have some serious problems because when you go individual, that goes against our Constitution. This Constitution is for the people, with the people, by the people. If you lose sight of that, James, and as you know, serving in this military, we are going down a very dangerous path. Amen. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah. So why don't we talk about foreign policy? When when you comes to Iran, let's talk about some of the things. And with the the um, the leader of Iran, he's in Iraq. He's trying to attack our American embassy. He's um, using EFPs to attack our American troops. These are these are explosively foreign penetrators that can that goes into hot molten. From, and it just goes through the Humvee and just kills our troops, mangles our troops, and this is a real threat to our to our troops downrange. And Iran has been funneling this through cash that Barack Obama delivered in unmarked bills on pallets in American Air Force cargo planes to Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was the, the what was the number that he gave? It was a 215 billion. No, it was, it was 1. actually seven billion. One point seven. It was one point seven billion. billion. Yeah, okay. but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, was... it doesn't matter because of taxpayers' money going to fund terrorism is treasonous. And on Absolutely. top of it, killing American soldiers using exactly. uh, money from the United States money. of America to kill American soldiers. That's hard-working American people's taxpayers' money. So what's your stance on that, um, What's your stance on that, James? And when you get into Congress, what do you want to do? Well, we've identified the issue. we just got to get in front of – obviously, I'm dead set against it. I mean, I, you, you, as patriots, we're here to defend the flag. We're here – and the money that has been diverted to supply ISIS, and, you know, the biggest – Funder of, of not only Saudi Arabia, but also Iran, going into taking out our soldiers. That's not only dead wrong, but that's treasonous. I think Obama needs to be held to account. I believe uh, Joe Biden, he has his name on that as well, and uh, Kerry as well. These are the folks that we need to really identify and get them in front of the DOJ in front of and start taking them down with. Um, with uh, those indictments. The question is, how quickly can we do it? And you know, the DOJ walks slowly. And uh, once in Congress, that'll be one of my principal topics. 
We need to expose the corrupt politicians that are taking money, our tax dollars, to kill, maim our good, faithful soldiers in the field. That is, this is not Benedict Arnold. This is Benedict Arnold on steroids. So we have to do something about it, and I'll be a voice to push that along. The question is, how quickly can we get it done? That is, that is the question. So well, I have some interesting points here. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but when President Trump travels abroad, Barack Obama has been going ahead of him to try to send, sell propaganda. And, oh, by the way, John Kerry has been in the Middle East spending a lot of time in the Middle East over the past three years. Do you have any comment on that? Well, I heard about that, and I've been watching on the news. He's basically setting my. This is my only my my opinion. Uh, nothing to back it with facts. What he's trying to do is basically uh, set the stage and to cover his tracks. So whatever I don't know what he's representing other than himself at this point, but to cover his misdoings over the time. Now Obama the same. He's probably trying to gain favor, saying, "Hey, keep on the hush hush. Don't volunteer information." However, it's slowly. Slowly leaking out. Look what's happening with Ukraine. Ukraine is volunteering information regarding Biden's son. Now, you can only imagine with his years in office under Obama how much corruption and how many Ukrainians have died at his hand as well. So that's really what I have to share with you on that particular point. But it's all that cabal. I call them a cabal now because that's truly what they've been doing. They've been working together getting ahead of the story, telling everyone, okay, well, we'll, we'll do this if you keep things uh, in a silent mode and keep it on in a very stellar fashion. So I, got a, I, have, a, I have a big feeling and a trust in God that some of this information will expo- be exposed, and a lot of these countries will be willing, as long as we get Trump in office in 2020, that is when you see the floodgates open, more intel coming down the, down the path, and that's when we can start moving and getting these idiots that have passed and ca- caused all this damage against us using our tax dollars and get them behind bars. You bring up a great point there, James, and that you, talk, you mentioned Ukraine. And you saw, I think that there's more to this story with Iran shooting this, well, it's not um, confirmed, but the Ukraine plane going down by a Russian missile from Iran. Now, these things, these reports haven't been confirmed, but when you start connecting the dots of all these things, and you're talking about Iran and Ukraine, and Ukraine leaking information, and this story starts to come out, what does that start to tell you? There's a little proxy wars that are starting and cropping up, and these things have been happening in that region, and we have to be aware of that, because they, they're trying to use these pieces of information. And you saw the president, he just stepped off of it. He didn't want no part of it. Part of these things are trying to shift blame, and all of a sudden, the left wants to blame the president while they're supporting Iran. Well, that's clearly what's going on. It's a diversionary tactic or projection of the sins they've committed to paint our POTUS as the one that's the nefarious one. And we know it. He got in office early on in 2016, and he's kept every promise and exceeded those promises. So what do they want? They want him out. They'll do anything in their power to take out POTUS and anyone that supports POTUS or anyone that goes against their narrative and their, and, and their, their, uh, their push for it. 
Actually, this is an interesting read for everyone. If you have not researched this, go on Google right now. Look up the Share Blue Plan. The Share Blue Plan. That is something that's going to open your eyes, and you'll see exactly what you're reading is being played out currently. It is Media Matters, and it tells you the. It is basically the playbook of the Democrats, painting the story, the false narratives, pointing blame to take our duly elected president through impeachment to take him out of office, and those that support him, like us to take us out of the election as well. Is, this is happening real time, folks. But Yes, it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And also you got you have the undermining going in. I was on a uh, hit piece the other day about the Q movement. So they try to say that the Q movement is, a, uh, is by the terrorist group, and they try to link me and a whole bunch of other candidates throughout the country because this is what they're going to do. They're going to start the propaganda. They're going to start spreading the lies. Real quickly, James, um, touch on health care, what you're going to bring to the table, because uh, that is Mike, your area of expertise. Mike, Mike, one, one second, Chauncey, real quick, one no, second. Mike, and, we and have James, One second. One okay. second, real quick. I just, James, really quickly, touch on your health care, because it's really critical. People aren't talking about this, but this is mainstream, what mm-hmm. we need to be discussing. And also talk about where people can go to, to vote for you, register, and you sure. have the primary coming up in March. That's March 3rd's primary, the uh, Bradley Congress, the old easy, BradleyCongress.com. Go there, read on the issues in our position, and there's a little contribute page there. Feel free to, you know, chime in five, ten, fifteen dollars, whatever you can afford. This is about us. I have 30 plus years in the healthcare industry. I know where the fraud, waste, and abuse is, are, and I'm going to tackle that head on. We have redundant systems that are really adding, tripling our premiums, copays, and deductibles. We have a plan. We're going to have to work with the current administration to put that plan in effect. That's all I could do in a 30-second spot. Hopefully that's enough for you to at least show a little interest. You can go to the webpage, and if you have any questions, there's a phone number there. Give me a call. I'll answer them. Thanks, James. Love you, brother. God bless you, man. Keep pushing on. Amen, brother. You know, we're there for the fight, brothers. We never give in. We never give up. Amen. God bless you, and thank you for standing up again. Amen. Thank you, brother. Take care. Yes, Michael. No, I think that was a great interview. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the thing is, is there's so much information. It's so hard to pack it into an hour. That's why we need people to contribute to the Michael and Chauncey show. You can do that at Patreon.com. You can support this program. We can make it an audio and visual show. We can also expand the exposure of the network by increasing our marketing and PR. Please contribute to the show. Chauncey Brown III, he has his own, um, his own radio show, the Conservative Talk Radio. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact us. We're always interested in getting more high-level profile individuals on the show that, like we have to be able to, to, to get the narrative out to the American people whether it's aviation security, the war in Iran and Iraq that um, we're fighting over there with the war on terrorism and down the line. There's so many issues every single day, but the main objective of this show is to preserve the American dream and to give people the real information. Thank you, Michael, and it is an honor to be on your show. And just briefly, I want to apologize uh, before uh, for briefly uh, cutting you off. Uh, I wanted to give you a time cue, but apparently you were already aware of it. So I just wanted to apologize to you and the American people for just briefly cutting you off, trying to uh, let you know that. Oh, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. We have a great guest that's about to come in. And uh, if you'll take over, uh, I think Brett's 
going to be able to be able to interview with you. I think it'll be great. Yes, sir. Okay, so I think uh, Brett is in the studio. Uh, he's running uh, for um, a candidate for U.S. Congress in District One in New Mexico. Uh, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. Great. How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing well. Doing well. We want to thank you for your service to our country. We want to thank you again for wanting to step well, up thank and you. serve Appreciate that. The, pub- the public good. Uh, can you give the American people a little background on yourself, Brett? And I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, and I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> to That's okay. So, <laughs> absolutely. So my name is Brett Coconatis. Like you said, I'm a candidate in the 1st Congressional District in New Mexico. I'm running against Deb Holland who's a freshman congresswoman. She was elected as the first Native American to Congress. My background is is small business and telecommunications. I've been a small business owner since uh, about 22 years ago. I started my first company, and it's kind of morphed into a variety of different startups, business mentoring. uh, And that's one of the big focuses in New Mexico. My district encompasses mostly Albuquerque, the Bernalillo County, Torrance County, and the big difference in New Mexico is, depending where you are in the state, you know, northern, central, or southern, the demographics and the economic issues are drastically different. And last election, uh, we have a new governor, a Democrat governor. She's very much in line and in step with Nancy Pelosi and AOC on the Green New Deal. They've just literally put New Mexico on track for a disastrous crash economically. Most of our money comes from oil and gas revenues in this state that's produced in the southern part of our state. Uh, It represents over a billion, uh, almost a billion five, and it's projected to almost reach $2 billion this year in royalties that are paid to the state. And they've just just spent every penny of it in extending the operational costs of the government. We have all representatives currently in all three districts are Democrats. And they've all been pushing for the common mantras of the Democratic Party of impeaching the president, let's support the Green New Deal, and spend recklessly to achieve something, I guess, uh, and raising the federal minimum wage to $15 per hour. In New Mexico, that will be devastating to most of the areas demographically in the state, but we don't represent the state entirely. If you're in Albuquerque, it's one of our urban centers. Same thing like within Santa Fe. It's a cultural historic center. These areas have strong economic um, engines to them. But when you start going into the south, where we have agriculture and the oil fields, uh, you go up into the northern part where they've closed down cold learning uh, power generation centers. These areas cannot support that minimum wage issue. Congresswoman Deb Holland is a identity politics candidate. And I don't know if you guys have watched much of what she's focused on. But in New Mexico, our state symbol is the Zia, and it's a symbol of a perfect union among united cultures. We have Hispanics, we have Native Americans, we have Anglos, we have, you know, Caucasians. We have a variety of different cultures here, and a lot of those cultures get ignored, especially by the current congresswoman who's put a huge focus on Native American issues. And, of course, those issues are important in this diverse state, but the other constituents in this district are not being represented because that seems to be her only focus. So New Mexico is in a unique position. The blue wave was a huge uh, disaster for us in the last gubernatorial election. Uh, Yvette Harold, which is a Republican candidate in the second congressional district, 
was initially declared the winner in that U.S. House Reps race, and then at the last minute, somehow they found enough votes buried in the bottom of a cabinet somewhere, and we ended up losing that seat, too, to another Democrat, which is Xochitl Torres Small, who's also a freshman in the second congressional district. What's different about our state here is that Democrats sound a lot like Republicans. They care about their Second Amendment rights. They care about pro-life agendas. They care about protecting freedom of speech. And they're very angry about tax and spend issues. So this is the year that I think New Mexico in particular, you know, the president was here several months ago and had a huge turnout. Our state only has about 2 million plus people in it. We're, we're pretty small as far as population. We're very vast by land size. And at that turnout, we had about 10,000 people show up at the arena. It matched out the stadium, and there was about another 5,000 people in overflow. And Brad Parscale came out with the statistics after that event, and they said 31% of the people who registered to attend that vote, excuse me, I think it was 38%, were actually registered Democrats in the state. So this is the year with what's going on at the federal level, the success uh, of the president and the disenfranchised voters in New Mexico that have seen nothing great come out of this Democratic state legislative session last year. We had a 60-day session. They spent a billion dollars, and I'm talking state side, not federal side, spent a billion dollars and raised taxes on poor New Mexicans by $450 million. This next session that's starting uh, end of January, they found another $500, $600 million that they want to put towards expanding the operational costs of the government while they're coming down on oil and gas, which is what's generating that money for this state. So you have a lot of people upset at the state side and at the federal side because none of our federally elected officials are putting focus on solving the issues for New Mexico, which go around crime, the border issue, education, and our economy in the state. You hit the nail on the head, especially with those last four points. And I'd like to probably move to those four points because they affect the American people as a whole. Thank you. But that was very, very informative. Um, New Mexico politics, identifying the finances, the people involved, and their political motives. On a national level, uh, you can briefly touch upon education, immigration, uh, to start off with, because those are very, very important issues, especially education to me. What, do you, what would you do in Congress to try to make public education better? Well, keep, keep in mind, I, I think education comes down to the state responsibility, okay? And in a state where we rank worth, worst in education, uh, our state government and our, our governor has focused on continuously to throw money at a broken education system. Part of that is, you know, the, the, US, uh, the state Supreme Court basically said that New Mexico state government was not upholding its constitutional obligations uh, in the education promise. So they've been pushing infusion of capital in the state. The problem is, and as you guys are in business and, and know about business, you can throw money at a problem for so long, but if you can't measure success, then, then you're really not solving a problem. And in this state, just this last session, what they've done is they said, we're gonna do away with the traditional grading system. We're not gonna do the ABCDE, or ABCDF 
scoring system anymore. We're going to change how we evaluate teachers. We're going to throw more money into the system. New Mexico has a very uh, interesting problem with education because, one, we have a teacher shortage. Two, we have a large population of students that are educated in, in multiple languages, meaning they don't speak English as their primary language. And we have overpopulated class sites. We have a hard time attracting teachers to this state because they're not, uh, they haven't been paid a great wage in the past. So here, the issue that we have is how do we encourage people to come to this state? So as a representative from my district, you know, really Congress has just a several, several handful of functions. We create new laws, change new laws, and raise money. And apparently Democrats also think that, you know, impeaching the president is kind of their side hobby. But uh, when we look at New Mexico, the thing is to solve our education problem here, it's not going to be about a congressional uh, focus. I mean, when you start talking about charter schools and things like that, we have those arguments here in the state. Um, part of this state is curriculum, and no one's actually diving into the trenches and figuring out why our education system fails. You look at Albuquerque, they tried to pass a referendum that they wanted to raise a billion dollars <throat> in bonds to do infrastructure improvements, meaning building new schools. Okay. Up in Santa Fe, which is just about an hour north of Albuquerque, they wanted to renew an $11 million technology bond that didn't ex it expired, and they said, well, your taxes aren't going to go up. Well, your taxes are also not going to go down, and the problem is no one is following where this money is going. We're spending almost – well, if, if everything passes this session, we're going to be spending over 50, 52% of our state budget is going to education and yet we so still Brett, rank worse in the nation. So, Brett, let me ask you a question then. So if, when you get elected here in Congress, does that mean that you might be in favor of abolishing the educational system on the federal level because it's a state's responsibility? I, I believe it's a state's responsibility. No, no, I believe it is too. I serve uh, two terms as a commissioner of education in New Jersey. So th that's why that issue is dear to me. Uh, what I'm saying, though, do you think that we should consider, uh, because if you really look at the whole structure of the educational system, it's almost like corporate welfare, and they're using the children as pawns to justify all these political jobs. So really, I'm asking you, do you think that we need a Department of Education on, on the federal level? If it's the state's responsibility, because even the states are wasting the money that they're getting from the federal government. So what do you think that we I think, I mean, well, the, the first thing I think we need to do is gather all, all the facts and evidence. And I don't think I, that I could give you a straight answer and say, yes, we should do this. No, we shouldn't do that. I think that there's room for improvements in all areas of it, and we would mm -hmm. need to really look at the data. The issue is when you start talking about states that can't manage their education program, which is prime example here in New Mexico, we throw money, we're keeping, you know, we just keep pouring money into the system, and nothing's getting better. So at what point... Um, is someone going to do something about it? You know, it's a state, it's a state issue for sure. But if New Mexico can't improve it, who will? And you know, that's that's something that we have to look at too. I don't think in New Mexico, for example, maybe maybe part of it is a resource issue. But when we start looking at the funds, for example, the governor wants to push through this session a uh, basically free college education uh, for 55,000 students. Okay. Then uh, they did the teacher raises. But at the same time that they raised teachers' salaries by, I think it was 
They also raised their contribution to PERA, which is our retirement uh, state and state employee retirement fund, and they've increased taxes. So really, that that pay raise on the teachers' side netted to zero or even hurt them a little bit. And when we're looking at our competitiveness in the state to acquire new teachers, that's that's the real kicker. And that's the same kicker that we have economically in this state is if we're looking at investments that are going to be coming into New Mexico for uh, mm-hmm. job growth and business growth, you know, New Mexico's oil and gas, agriculture, national laboratories, uh, small business, but we have a huge crime problem in, New- in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. You have a failing education system in New Mexico. You have a government that, or a state government that has a broken sales tax system. We we use GRT, which is gross receipts right. tax, not mm-hmm. sales tax system. So we tax services. Uh, the government is not business friendly here. So when we look at how do we solve these problems, they're all interconnected. If we want to solve mm-hmm. education, we have to bring teachers. If we want to bring teachers, you know. How you could bring them into a broken system? If you want to grow your government or your economy, how do you incentivize businesses to come here when you have a failing education system and a crime rate problem? Exactly. They're all kind of inter, inter, interconnected, and there is an answer, and we have to dive into it. You know, a lot of politicians will come out, and I say this on the campaign trail: we have to fix our crime problem, we have to fix our education problem, we have to fix our economic problem. Okay, how do you do that? Where's your plan? Because in Congress, like I said, you make or change laws, you bring back money. And really, the approach that we're taking on this campaign is twofold. One, we're going out and creating advisory boards, which include experts, people who are in that field, in the trenches, dealing with those problems every day, and community leaders. They know what they need. They know what's broken. They need a voice. And the second is looking at New Mexico holistically so that mm-hmm. what is good for Albuquerque doesn't end up hurting, you know, southern right. Clovis or northern Farmington because they're very different places and our representatives don't work together. And finally, what I call working beyond Congress is one of my focuses. And I've gotten negative feedback on this, but when elected, you have a title, and that title means that I represent my constituents in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. But I'm taking it a step further and saying, I can call the governor, I can call other state reps that are working in local government or county commissioners or city mayors and say, my constituents are concerned about this. And not that I'm going to go out and champion and solve those problems, but I'm going to push them into the direction to say, this is something that we need to work together on at all levels of government to beat the same drum. And the Democrats do this very well. Unfortunately, they do it in a a direction that isn't prosperous to our country or to our local governments. And I think this is where the Republicans can actually stand up and make a difference, is to borrow some of those strategies and start unifying our vision across the state and country. Thank you so much. Uh, That was extremely informative. And you will serve your state and district well you're extremely knowledgeable, and we thank you for that. I'd like to cover one more issue with the limited amount of time that we have. You mentioned that sure. immigration uh, is a problem uh, in New Mexico. But could just you know, share with me uh, how you're impacted by illegal immigration. Um, do you support the border wall technology? What is your position? 
So absolutely, we support the border wall. And, you know, back, back over the summer months in New Mexico last year, we had a crisis at our border. And when we went down to Las Cruces and Dona Ana and Deming and all these other places, people were coming in across the border with border patrol and they were seeking asylum. They were coming in in the initial start of, you know, 20 to 30 a day. Those numbers grew up to almost about 100 plus a day. What ended up happening, though, was we had some state militias that went out and they were rounding up groups of people in the middle of the night illegally crossing the border. They had a, a cluster of folks that was about 300 that they detained, had them sit on the ground peacefully and brought border patrol over. Our governor removed the National Guard from the border because she was working against the president, said there was no crisis at our border. In the middle of the night, she was busing immigrants, illegal immigrants, from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and dropping them off in Denver, Colorado, without even talking to the Colorado governor at the time. Um, our yes. cities and counties were dipping into their general funds to deal with the crisis. And basically, what ended up happening was our governor ended up going to D.C., begging and pleading for money, and probably asking Nancy Pelosi what to do next. The border is critical in New Mexico for our farmers and our ranchers at the southern border. It's important for our security. It's important for drug trafficking and human trafficking in this state. And I think when you start talking about those technology solutions, it brings another benefit to our state because with those high-tech solutions, you're going to need connectivity, which means that they're going to have to lay fiber and bring data services to other parts of our state that lack it. So, yes, I'm in full support of it. Uh, Brett, I'd like to mention one thing. I'm a retired fire captain, and uh, I was command the EMS. And what's interesting is there's one thing I never hear about as it relates to immigration uh, and illegal immigrants. They never talk about the health risk of these individuals coming into the community if they're not vaccinated. That is a conversation that if we're trying to protect our borders, like you said, we can Mm -hmm. talk about drug smuggling, human trafficking, terrorists, but what about the health issue of the spreading of diseases? I mean, no one's talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. And how do do we – I mean, I I don't know the answer. I'm just saying raising the issue to you that it's maybe something you can talk about on the campaign trail as well is what – health impact is it going to have on the community? We always talk about economics, what's legal, what's illegal, but what about the health impact to our health care system as well as the possibility of spreading diseases? Well, and see, this this, this can get a, a touchy subject because you have people, uh, you know, that are, that are anti-vaxxers and, and think that vaccines should have a choice, but you look at places like, you know, and I know it's progressive, but Seattle that has just mandated that vaccines are a requirement except uh, – in, in health issues and in, in religious issues. But when we start looking at the increase of common diseases that we've eradicated, you look at California, where you have the homeless people on the streets and they're bringing back the bubonic plague, you have measles, you have all these other things. And in other countries, just like when you travel abroad, you know, you have to have a yellow card in your passport when you visit some countries to make sure that you've been vaccinated for local diseases. That's a huge problem, and it's not just issues at the border because people are coming over from Mexico. You know, our Border Patrol and Homeland Security has tracked people coming in from over 27 countries through mm-hmm. through our uh, 
port of entry. So we don't really know. I mean, we do, but we really can't say for certain that these people are coming over just from Mexico. If you remember probably about right. 12 years ago, they were ready to shut down the border because of the swine flu outbreak that was concerning. You know, people were concerned that that was going to become a pandemic or uh, at least an epidemic in the regional areas. So it's, it is a big deal. Um, you know, people, the media, liberal media will always come out and say, oh, well, we need to investigate the welfare of these folks while they're in the detention camps. But when I've talked, or the detention facilities, but when I've talked to Homeland Security, they said the people that are staying in those facilities are because they crossed the border illegally, meaning they didn't come to a port of entry and apply for asylum. They've come in, and we know that they're a known criminal with a criminal background, or they've come in with a child and have not been able to prove uh, parental custody over that child, meaning they don't have proper documentation, and they have refused the DNA test. Now, I'll tell you, if, if you're a parent out there and you're crossing the border to come for a better life or to run out of fear from your home country, I bet you'd be willing to take a DNA test uh, to get your freedom, you know, to get Absolutely. out of that facility. And at any point, these people can file, file a writ, uh, writ petition to basically be deported. So these people are willingly staying in these facilities until they can to have until they can have their day in court. Um, so you know it's not as a hot topic issue I think today uh, because the influx of people have kind of slowed down, but that doesn't mean that we can ignore that problem because that problem is not going to go away, and we definitely have to defend our borders. Brett, I want to say thank you very much uh, for coming on the show and being a very very informed. Uh, candidate for Congress for New Mexico. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. New Mexico will be well represented when you get elected. Uh, before we close out, can you please share with the American people uh, how they can volunteer, contact you, donate to your campaign, please? Sure. Our website is imaginebrettwith2ts.com. You can also look for me on Facebook at Brett for Congress and on Twitter at imaginebrett.com. CD one. Uh, Brett, thank you very much. As a matter of fact, I think you uh, requested me to like your page today. <laughs> Excellent. Well, then you'll know where to find me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, you want to say anything? No, Brett. It was so so great to have you. We're going to have you on my podcast live with Michael Bloomley Jr. So excited! I think our interview is next week on that. So I'm glad we got you got to really talk about some of the core issues that we both support with your campaign in New Mexico and mine in Florida. Um, it's such a great, you know, we got we to gotta stick together. We need this country to come together. And when we're divided, I think we're, we're less effective. Um, and we, we, we need to improve our literacy rates. We need to have better education. We need to have better health care. We need to not take advantage of our senior citizens and our retirees. So we can always do better. So we need patriots to do that. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Brett, and I look forward to our interview and uh, and seeing you up in D.C. very soon. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk soon, guys. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Michael, excellent so, interview. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, is that that's what we're doing here on the Mike Bonchanti show. We're bringing real uh, political people into the studio who have conservative values. These are knowledgeable individuals to the American people to disseminate the information. But we are only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is the viewers. We need people to spread this message. 
this message is only as powerful as the people who receive the message. If we create create the content, we share with the viewers, we create this great program, and it doesn't go anywhere. It's just that it's it's a waste of information. So we I'm asking the American people to please share this information. Help us to make it go viral. We're having amazing guests on the show. We want to have continue to have amazing guests, and we will do that. And we need the help of the American people. Michael, thank you very much. It's always a blessing to be on the show with you and to serve God's work and to serve the American people. We're here. We have real people, real issues, and real talk on the Michael Johnson Show. Please join us every Tuesday and Thursday from 7 to 8. You can follow us on Facebook at the Michael and Chauncey Show. You can follow us at Twitter at Liberty Today USA. Also, we'd like to expand our viewership to the American people. So if you'd like to donate to the Michael and Chauncey Show, please donate to the Michael and Chauncey Show at Payatron. Also, if you'd like to visit our website, it's the Michael and Chauncey Show at blogger.com. Michael, thank you very much. I'm glad that you had a safe trip. Uh, we will talk later. Um, you know, I know you're very, very tired coming in from Chicago. Um, yeah, no, well, we have, I flew from uh, yeah, I flew up from Florida. I'm working on the campaign. Michael Blooming Jr. for Congress. You can go to my website, Michael Blooming for Congress. I need all the support. I need volunteer <clears throat> volunteers, donations. We need people to help make phone calls. We got to knock down these other candidates that are trying to uh, to defeat me in the primary. I have a primary. It's in August. I need to defeat the other candidates because I am the choice for the American people. Why? I have the education. I have the experience in federal level, state level, private industry, nonprofit industry, serving our great country in the United States Army as an infantryman in the 1st Infantry Division as a non-commissioned officer. I love the American people. I want to support the American dream. I want to support the Constitution of the United States of America, and I want to stop people like Lois Franco in District 21 who has not been doing anything – in the district. I tell you what, in Florida, I have not seen her any news, any information that she's been in the district for at least the last two years. How is this person serving 700,000 people and not even in her district? Now, this isn't just happening here. That's why we're getting candidates from all the country to tell their story. But the fact of the matter is that we have to win back the House in 2020. I stand for the American people, and I will always fight for the American dream and the American way of life, freedom liberty and justice because that's what this country is built on it's freedom for the american people michael thank you very much i want to say god bless our president donald trump god bless all of america's inhabitants god bless america please join us next tuesday from 7 to 8 on the michael and chauncey show we hope that you have a good evening god bless you all again good night Thank you for tuning in to The Michael and Chauncey Show. Please follow us on Twitter at Liberty Today USA. You can also contribute to the show on Patreon. 